0: eternal punishment
1: for anyone who opens this casket. Come
0: here.
2: Hello, folks, and welcome to the Darkling Podcast, episode number 10. We're back from a long, little bit of a long hiatus, but I'm your host, Vince, along with Mark. Mark, what's up, buddy?
3: Doing great, Vince. Yeah, double figures on the Darkling Podcast. Uh, Darker Days, episode 20. We're on Darkling, uh, episode number 10. So, yeah, we're chugging away there. Good stuff, good stuff.
2: Yeah, and uh, in just a few moments as we get into the show, we'll be having a wonderful and special guest with us from White Wolf's past. Mark, who do we have tonight?
3: We have uh, none other than Mouse Feratu, the Rodent of the Dark, Ari Marmel himself, a freelancer with a long and distinguished career with uh, White Wolf, AEG, uh, Expeditious uh, Retreat Press, Uh, Green Ronin, Necromancer Games, and now Wizards of the Coast. um, A prolific author of uh, great renown, so we'll be getting him on the show in just a minute to uh, talk to us about memories past and plans present and possibilities for the future.
2: Definitely. We have a whole bunch of questions for him, and we're going to just chat it up with him, and we want to just take a moment to say to everyone in the United States, Happy 4th of July, because by the time this comes out, it'll be 4th of July, and we're going to be watching fireworks. Yeah! Yeah!
3: Yeah. Happy Independence Day, uh, America. Happy well Independence done. Well done. from you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're welcome to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, folks, so as promised, joining us on the uh, the show is Ari Marmel, better or lesser or worse, known as Mouse <laughs> Ferratu, Rodent of the Dark. Uh, Ari, welcome to the Darkling Podcast.
1: Thank you, glad to be here.
3: Well, thank you very much for coming on board. We really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to have a little chat with us now. Now, um, we, uh, in preparation for the show, I had a look at the uh, uh, at your website, and I was hoping there was going to be some really exciting story behind your internet handle, Mouse Veratu, Yes. Um, yeah. But according to your blog, the story is actually really rather dull.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's boring. It was uh, I needed a handle for the White Wolf forums, and uh, that's what my twisted mind came up with. <laughs> well, Pretty much stuck. absolutely uh, no inspiration, no motivation whatsoever. There's really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> really not a story there.
3: But nice and memorable, nevertheless. Yeah. Now, most uh, World of Darkness gamers, White Wolf fans, will know you from your work on uh, Vampire the Masquerade with products such as Gilded Cage, uh, Council of Primogen, Archons and Templars, um, Dark Ages Vampire with stuff like Spalls of War, The Player's Guide, Dark Ages Europe, also The Mummy's Player's Guide, and the Gehenna novel. Yep. Um, You've also had work published for Sword and Sorcery, including Scarred Lands and Ravenloft Lines, Necromancer Games, uh, Doom of Listenshire, and, and the utterly fantastic uh, Term of Artifacts. Mm. Um, you've had articles in Dragon Magazine, uh, including a cool set of variant clerics that I use in my game to this day. <laughs>
0: um,
3: Green Ronin, uh, the Harmonaptor, and uh, Freeport Books, both amazing. Adamant Entertainment, XRP, AEG. I mean, it's a huge list. Um, we can go on, but that'd be a show itself, so... Yeah. <laughs> so you've clearly been keeping yourself busy over the years.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, uh... Go on. Sorry, go on. No, you go, Ken.
1: Oh, no, I, I was just, uh, disagreeing, basically. <laughs> I, I had not, nothing nothing witty to add.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, you're currently writing for Wizards of the Coast, um, for Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. Yeah. Um... And you have a pretty massive portfolio of stuff going back over the years for Wizards, and seeing as that's your current major gig, uh, let, let's start with that. Um, now, your first assignment with Wizards of the Coast was uh, the Heroes of Horror book, a really groundbreaking book for third edition. Um, so how did you land that? Was that due to your previous work for White Wolf that you were known as a horror writer, or, or some other way?
1: Uh, that's pretty much exactly how it happened. I'd been, uh, I'd been uh, well... Call a spade a spade. I've been pestering the people at Watsby to work with them for a while, and uh, when uh, when that book came around, they decided that uh, my experience with the White Wolf's uh, with White Wolf's games uh, made me uh, made me a good candidate for it, and they contacted me.
3: Okay, right. And so, uh, so a little bit of pestering at the door actually paid off in that in that regard.
1: Uh, it, it usually does in in this industry. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, it, if you're if you're quiet and sit back, nobody ever does gives you anything. You, you have to bug them. I, I, I may haven't... take that a little bit too far, but...
3: Uh... <laughs> and having a quality portfolio to back it up, I suppose, doesn't hurt either.
1: I doesn't seem to have.
3: No, no, no. And I'm, I also noticed
2: you've, you've got a regular uh, column now at uh, EN World?
1: Yes.
3: That makes interesting reading, too.
2: Oh, so do you have any uh, pull for the any Award? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Vince, <laughs> behave. Watch. You know, we're, we're, we're in the contest. <laughs>
1: See, the, the problem with that question is you asked me on record. Ask me again later.
2: <laughs> I can always well, edit we'll that just out. Cut it out of the show, yet. <laughs> yeah. I edit the show. I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Now,
3: another another really notis- notable third edition era book was Cityscape. Yes.
2: Um,
3: uh, this is a book that can be of real use in a World of Darkness game as well, um, because it, you know, it contains much generic advice uh, in addition to good hard third edition crunch um what were your main concerns when writing this i mean after writing gilded cage for vampire did you feel that you were able to bring experience from that book to the table for cityscape
1: um maybe a little bit i don't know that there was a there was a whole lot of crossover just because gilded cage tends to tended to be a little bit more focused on specific aspects of what to do with the city uh cityscape Mm -hmm. was a much more general uh, a general overview of the topic because it was written for a game that hadn't really touched on that as of yet. Um, mm-hmm. Our main goal with that book was, well, as I just said, basically almost almost more in, along the lines of overview, advice. Um, there's some crunch in there, obviously, but a lot of DMs, especially newer DMs, just don't know how to go about even designing an urban campaign. And we wanted that book to be kind of the... Uh, gateway into the topic for them. Uh, it actually, uh, to be honest, in my experience, it actually kind of met with mixed reviews because of that. There were some people who, if you're already experienced that kind of thing, they didn't think there was a lot of new information in there, and maybe that's true, but uh, we wanted it to be really useful to people who were accustomed to the typical uh, dungeon-crawler wilderness-based campaign, and for them, I think, uh, it did indeed prove uh, pretty useful.
3: Well, I, I like the sort of the toolbox nature of it—the fact that all, although you know I've got years of DMing experience, it was good to have it all nicely compiled between two covers that you could flip it open and you know pull whatever you needed right out of the pages. It was really good. Absolutely. Have you have you seen Damnation City for uh, World of Darkness?
1: Um, I haven't. I haven't had the opportunity to keep up in the last, uh, well, in the recent past.
3: Mm. That is <laughs> That does a similar sort of thing for. Uh,
1: I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd very much love to see it. I just. At the moment, most of my uh, most of my role-playing uh, expenditures are going towards the games I'm currently working on. I have to keep up with those yeah. more, obviously.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah.
3: Now, I just wanted to touch on the Tome of Artifacts for a moment. Um, I'm a huge Necromancer Games fan, and I really love that book. It was an almost overwhelming amount of ideas. It's one of the few books that I'll pick it up and open it and just think oh, my God, it's just it's, it's too much. You know? <laughs> uh, really huge. Uh, so h- how did that project come into being? You know, what was it like corralling such a huge amount of imaginative talent?
1: Um, that one, I actually approached uh, Clark Peterson with that one. I had uh, been talking to the necromancer folks, and I'd done a little bit of work for them, but not much. Um, in fact, I think... I'm not even remembering now. I think Doom of Listen to Fire came before that. But, uh,
3: yeah, it did, yeah.
1: Either way, I, that, that's all I've done with them so far. But I was, I was a very big fan of their uh, Tome of Horrors book. And I liked the idea of a book of artifacts. If I'd really had everything I wanted, some of them would have been conversions of classic D&D artifacts, just like Tome of Horrors was of classic monsters, but we didn't have the rights to those. Right. Um, but we still very much loved the idea. Uh, as far as getting all the writers together, it was basically just a question of uh shooting out an enormous number of email invitations <laughs> and seeing who was interested uh I mean nothing in that book was assigned from my end. everything was if you're interested, pitch me your artifact ideas, and I will pick the ones that I think fit the book um, so it was it was very much a- collaborative effort uh except for finally putting all the into a single document that was uh that was all me and uh my eyes still occasionally bleed <laughs> 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 just from, you, from thinking about that
3: didn't you uh, call for some pictures on the necromancer forums actually now i'm thinking about it i do recall seeing a thread about that i think
1: um i god i'm trying to remember now um
2: i think i remember seeing something it, like wasn't, that.
1: it wasn't it wasn't a completely open call yeah um just because I've I've done open calls uh, in the past, I I handled that for one of the uh, Scarredlands books, mm. and it's you can get some good stuff out of that, but it's a it's a it's a Herculean task unto itself. And with the uh, with the with the with the artifacts book, I really wanted to keep with people who had at least some writing experience. Um, there's a couple of newcomers in there. But those were people who I already knew from past experience had, uh, had had some had some good ideas and some talent.
3: Cool. Now about um, yeah, fourth edition D anD D. We don't do edition wars and darker days, no. uh, neither between the that. old world or yeah. yeah. <laughs> no award, uh, no uh, clashes. No third edition, fourth edition clashes. No, no. no, no.
0: Um,
3: but that said, though, um, did you find it? Difficult uh, or very different switching yeah. over from writing uh, for third edition to writing for fourth edition are they completely different beasts to design for, or was there, is there a fair yeah. amount of overlap there
2: the result-
1: um, they're, they're very different uh, mechanically, obviously yes. you know when you get down to the core ideas, you know the concepts are the same, um, but as far as actual mechanical development um, it It was almost reversed itself in a way uh back in the third edition days uh even though I enjoyed creating d m material uh monsters for instance uh that was always a lot more complex, a lot more difficult mechanically than designing player material uh new spells, even new classes and in fourth edition, I find it's pretty much reversed it's very i find it very easy and enjoyable to create monsters um with the power structure, uh, creating new player material, I find to be a lot more complicated. Right. Uh It's, uh... It's, it's... It's easier on a purely mechanical sense because the, uh... The, the effects are, are a little bit more formalized. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, that can actually make it more difficult to come up with a power that doesn't feel like it's been done before. Right. So, uh... Yeah, it's it's not really much of an answer to say uh same but different. But uh, <laughs> yeah, parts parts of it are a lot easier, parts of it are a lot harder.
2: Okay, interesting. All right, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh the tomb of horrors. How did you yeah. uh keep that fresh for the new fourth edition? Uh what how did you rearrange it so people in fourth edition will be like, "Wow, this is awesome. It feels like the old game or something like
1: that." Um well, As as I get into that, I do want to uh, clarify something, which is, you know, we never made a secret of this, but (laughs) some people have still missed this. Uh, The the new Tomb of Horrors is not a direct conversion of the original. Um, It's closer in spirit to the second edition Return of the Tomb of Horrors in as much as it's largely new material tied into, based on, and inspired by the original. Um... There, there, there is some of the original material in there, but actually only only bits and pieces of it. Uh, this is essentially you can look at it as the uh, third chapter, with the original tomb being the first one, Return to Tomb of Horrors being the second chapter, and this now being the third.
2: Mm, although cool. you don't
1: need to have read the previous two to, to use it. Um, as far as keeping it uh, keeping it fresh, it was basically just a question of trying to come up with. Challenges, locations, puzzles that felt like the original. Uh, obviously, they can't feel exactly like it because there's a very different design philosophy in 4th edition from 1st edition. We don't have the, uh, you made a bad decision, you die instantly. But by the same <laughs> token, um, we did try to make the, uh, the challenges deadlier than maybe previous 4th edition adventures have been so it, it's it's very much kind of a, a fine line to walk um, what we tried to focus on you know, everybody knows the original tomb was deadly, but what really made it original was its focus on problem solving and puzzles yeah. and clues that kind of thing and that's what we tried to focus on. not every encounter in the new one is like that, but a huge number of them are and that was the main thing is we wanted we wanted a, an adventure that was going to make the players actually think uh. And try to solve individual clues, individual problems, and that I think is uh really what the core of the original one was it wasn't the uh it wasn't, it wasn't the turn a corner and die <laughs> so much as the if you pay attention, you know why you shouldn't turn that corner
3: sure well what impressed me about the i mean I, I ran it. A short while ago, the third edition conversion of it that was on the Wizards website, um, and and as well as the original way back in the day, what always impressed me about it was the way that it it's uh, I suppose you know a lot has to do with Gary Gygax's um, skill as a as a dungeon designer. The, the way it seemed to channel uh, the characters. Through the uh, through the dungeon, um, almost uh, guessing beforehand the, the moves they're going to make and directing them into these interesting puzzles and challenges. I mean, did you did you experiment with that at all when you were uh, designing the adventure? The way that it, you know, that there's almost like a flow chart of, of moving through this dungeon, or did you take a more free form location based approach to it?
1: Um, there's some of each. I mean, there's uh, at least in the portions that that I designed. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to speak to uh, for uh Scott's designing philosophies on his sections. But uh in the sections I designed, it's uh it's certainly not a uh it's not a single path. It's not a, you know, there's only one choice for the players to make. But there are certain segments where they are uh they are subtly encouraged to go this way or that way. There are sections where they may find themselves having to go back to solve certain puzzles before they can move forward. Um it's uh, in video game terms, there's uh, there is one particular there, there's a particular walkthrough path, <laughs> but uh, they don't have to do it in that precise order.
3: <laughs> cool. Um, now, one one last thing um, before we move on from D and D, I also saw that you've been working on the Dark Sun Monster Manual. Yes. Uh, now I'm guessing you can't say too much about that.
1: No, uh, unfortunately. But
3: how how has that been? Has that been a lot of fun?
1: I would actually say that's been one of my most uh, enjoyable fourth edition projects to date. Um, I'm a big Dark Sun fan. Uh, I really had a chance to uh, get creative with some of the creatures, Hmm. um, designing some of the uh, some of the sorcerer kings, especially. Uh, I I was trying to, uh, or at least I was trying to sort of branch out a little bit, get a little bit further afield with uh, with the powers than we have been so far. Cool. Um, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that book coming out. I, I really enjoyed working on
3: that one. Excellent. Well, I, I used to work for Athas.org um, a few years ago, and one of the biggest projects I did there was converting all the monsters from 2nd to 3rd edition for the terrors, of the terrors of Athas book. So, yeah, getting stuck into Darkstone monsters is something I really empathize with. Um, is the squawk in it, I have to ask?
1: Uh, all I can say is that I did not work on one. Uh, I, I can't say actually in the book or not but uh, oh, sh- fourth I- edition is dead
3: to
2: me that's it I'm finished <laughs> I'm <done. laughs> there's always Pathfinder Mark don't worry
1: yeah, yeah about that not having edition wars.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's room for a giant squid shark crossbeads in any edition I say oh absolutely yes cool Okay, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's go back then to where it all started out for you. Um, now, You say on your website you began gaming, uh, like so many of us, with the, the red D&D box. Yes. Um, so, but how did you first discover the world of darkness?
1: Um, that would have been, uh, let's say, early, early college. And actually my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, introduced me to it. She had uh, some experience with it from high school. And I had, uh, I had actually never heard of it. I had not uh, really gotten into many games other than D and um, mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit when I was when I was a lot younger. Some uh, Marvel superheroes, some Top Secrets, some Star Trek, but yeah. not, nothing nothing beyond that really. But uh, she introduced me to World of Darkness, and she said from the beginning that she figured that vampire would be my uh, my favorite. I, of course, had to be difficult, and <laughs> the first book I bought was Werewolf. Mm-hmm. Which I enjoyed, but uh, I went to Vampire after that, and obviously that appealed to me a lot more, yeah. uh, given my, my body of work.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, that was, uh, I want to say that was 94. Okay, but, sorry, sorry, um,
3: so the second editions were out, and yeah. uh, <clears throat> okay, right, so it was like middle of the metaplot explosion kind of thing, so been in at the deep end, I guess. Um, Now, you you got your your break as a writer with White Wolf following a submission to Justin Achille. Was that for Gilded Cage, or...?
1: Uh, No. What happened was... uh, And again, I'm going to give you a a long, meandering story here. (laughs) Um,
3: Good. That's what we're here for.
1: (laughs) When uh, we got married in 97, we we went to New Orleans for our honeymoon. And when I was in New Orleans, I had an idea... For a voodoo-based uh, vampire sect, and mm-hmm. the idea was floated in my head for a couple of years, and then in '99 uh, and 2000, I was working an office job as a proofreader at an ad agency, and I had a lot of free time while I was there. It's where I did some of my uh, some of my very early novel writing, and just because I. You know, I needed a project to work on in my spare time. I wound up coming up with a short vampire supplement, uh, defining this voodoo based sect I'd had in mind for two years, and I wound up actually writing a rough draft of the entire book. Um,
2: wow! Wow! Yeah. And
1: <laughs> then submitted that to Justin, uh, <clears throat> which he he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't use the book itself, but he liked the writing well enough, and. Obviously he saw that I could finish a project, yeah, so it was based on that that he offered me uh he offered me a few gigs, a couple of which didn't materialize but which then went on to become Gilded Cage and uh the Salmon Fergerry Companion, which was my second book, and which actually does include a few of the uh details that I had planned to include in that Baoonon book
3: mm, that's a great book
1: and uh yeah, there's actually also a few of those same. A few of those ideas also made it all the way to uh, Requiem in the uh, New Orleans book.
2: Cool.
3: Oh wow, cool. Okay. Um, now uh, your I, website. I, also, sorry, carry on. Was, carry on.
1: I was just going to say. I was just going to say. Uh, Justin did go on go on record a year later in public saying, "By the way, I know it worked for Ari, but please don't send me entire books without checking first. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know that I'd recommend anybody else try it the way I did it.
3: Because uh, so you ruined it for everybody, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much.
3: <laughs> cool. Send all your uh, books
2: now to Justin. No, I'm kidding.
3: Now uh, your website also mentions a book of shadows fan submission. Was that the Mage Book of Shadows?
1: Uh, no, what that was oh, okay. was a. Uh, there was a. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. There was a Ravenloft website called the Cargatan. Yes, And oh, that's right. they they did net books, and one of them was called uh, the Book of Shadows. Okay, cool. And that was just oh. a submission on uh oh, nice. my own little Ravenloft domain.
2: That was a huh. a, a great site. I'm sad to see that one disappear. Yeah,
1: yeah. that was too.
2: Okay. So um, Now, sorry, Vince. I was going to say uh, I was going to ask him about the Gehenna novel, the mm. the Final Night novel. What was it like writing that and writing for Vampire the Masquerade? How would you get into the mood for that and what research did you do and
1: Oh, that one was uh <laughs> That was tricky um yeah it it wasn't the first novel I'd ever written, but it was my first published novel
0: hmm.
1: um so between that and the fact that it was basically ending the line, uh there was no pressure whatsoever. Let me tell you <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, no they uh they gave me a certain uh certain guidelines on what what had to happen and what characters wanted to be included, but it was otherwise uh Actually, a surprising amount of uh, freedom on my part. Um, thankfully, I'd been keeping up with the metaplot to that point. Uh, so I had to go back and re-familiar and myself with some of it. Um, but I had I had pretty much the basic knowledge of what I needed to do. And they were very good about uh, filling me in on any details I needed to ask questions about.
3: Cool. Okay, so I mean beyond beyond the initial guidelines you you had a fair amount of freedom there then, so
1: Yeah, I mean they 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 told me they wanted they wanted certain characters, they wanted to focus on, on Beckett. Yeah. Um but mostly it was just a question of what can you show us about Gehenna, about the end of the uh, the end of the vampires. And there was a great deal of back and forth. There were a couple of different stages of outlining. Um there were some major rewrites. So it, it was very much a back-and-forth process, but uh, I would say there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount of advanced research because, again, I'd been working on the line so much that I, I had a pretty good grasp of the menopause at that point. Of course, I've all forgotten it by now, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's...
3: Were, you, were you pleased with how it turned out then the novel? Um,
1: I was. That's I mean, obviously... first novel, Scott. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, having written it a while back, obviously I wouldn't do it the exact same way now, but uh, all things being equal, I was pretty happy with it, yes.
3: Cool. Good one. Um, now, out of the World of Darkness products that you worked on, which did you enjoy the most? Or which, one were you, which one were you proudest of, uh, either um, or both?
1: I don't know if it's the one I enjoyed writing the most, but I think the one I'm proudest of is probably uh, actually the Victorian Age Vampire. Uh, I know it's not one of the most popular ones out there, but uh well I was really happy with the way that one came out in the writing uh just the uh the feel of the sections i wrote the uh the combination of the the accuracy hmm. and gain potential of the information i just that was one of those stars aligned kind of projects
2: I've noticed a, a big spark with the, uh that game as of late for some reason people have been picking it up <clears throat> and playing it so. It might be uh, gaining some popularity in some circles. So um,
3: there's, a, there's a lot of good buzz about it. Every time it gets mentioned, people people
0: yeah, rave about yeah. it.
1: Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I'm quite happy. As far as the one that I enjoyed writing most, uh, I might have to go back all the way to Archons and Templars just because I wrote so much of that book in voice, in character, and the particular characters in question, I had a lot of fun uh, channeling, if you will let oh. go. So I I think I think that was the one that I had the most actual fun writing, even though it isn't isn't the best one quality wise.
2: Well okay. Since you're working mostly on D and D right now and focusing <clears throat> mostly on fourth edition, do you still play any World of Darkness games? Do you have time or
1: Um I actually haven't played World of Darkness in quite some time. I would be will- I would be happy to. I just uh for a time I was kind of burned out on it. Yeah. Um this was back right after writing uh, the working on the vampire the Requiem core book uh, there were some experiences on that book I uh, nobody, nobody's fault in particular I'm not pointing fingers right. but we were trying to work on that at the same time the New World of Darkness core book was being worked on so <clears> we didn't have all the rules we had to go back and do a lot of rewriting there and also White Wolf hadn't yet decided exactly what the game was gonna look like. Tricky. So there was a lot of rewriting there, there was a lot of frustration and it just uh it kinda burned me out on World of Darkness for a while. Uh at this point I'd be happy to go back and play it again, but uh nobody in my uh my various groups is running it. And I uh I don't have the uh <laughs> I don't have the brain power to run a game right now. <laughs> that's what I'm doing.
2: Well you're really focused on uh D and D right now and that's that's your bread and butter right now, so you gotta Stick with what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, World of Darkness, the new line, uh, now that it's pretty much all completely out, all the core rules and everything, what do you think of the entire line, and which one out of them do you like? look at and go, oh, this one I'd really like to play if I really had the time?
1: <clears throat> um, I would really actually like to give the new, uh, the new Changeling a shot. Um, I was never that taken with the original Changeling game, but I very much like... What I've read of the new one, uh, I think it's uh, got a lot more story potential, a lot more mythic resonance to it um, I'm happy with the line overall right uh, I actually look looking at what they've done with changeling and Geist and whatnot uh, it does make me wish that we'd been allowed to uh change. Vampire more than we had. Yeah. Uh, I, I would actually have liked Requiem to be more different from Masquerade than it wound up being. But, you know, hindsight, and also it wasn't my call to make. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I, I'm overall happy with the entire line, though.
3: Well, we've had a couple of guests have echoed that that sentiment actually about how Requiem, when it started out, yeah. w- you know, was very much—I uh, don't want to say in in, in masquerade shadow—but it was very much channeling some of the same ideas. And it's mm-hmm. not until much much further down the line, the supplements that came out a few years later, that they that they really started to mix things up and uh, and you know try new takes on vampirism and new sure. approaches and, to the to the setting.
1: And I think that's. Uh you know, I, as much as I might wish otherwise, I think it wouldn't have been fair to expect otherwise. This was the first time that uh, White Wolf was doing anything of this sort. I mean, this kind of major yeah. shift. And uh... yeah, they were sort of making it up as they went along, and there was there. I think there was some understandable hesitation. I mean, there was, it had been working for them for so long. Um, yeah, it, it would have been nice to change more from the beginning, but I can understand why they were reluctant.
3: There's a book coming out called uh, World of Darkness Mirrors that is supposed to be f- filled with all sorts of crazy, wild alternate takes on the World of Darkness. Uh, that's due out in... Actually, I don't know when it's due out. Soon. I thought it was due
1: oh, at I, the end of the I, summer, I, maybe.
3: That'd be something I actually hadn't
1: heard about that one, but uh, I'll need to look into it. Mm. Yes. Uh...
3: Yeah, um, it's rules for using World of Darkness as a fantasy game or a science fiction game and different methods of creating characters and the whole, you know, the whole fold, spindle, mutilate thing. and uh, Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds like a lot of fun, yeah. But the guys at White Wolf are being super tight-lipped about it, as you might expect, so <laughs> we have to wait and see. Yeah, rough them up. Yeah. Um, now, moving on from, uh, from World of Darkness, uh, and in fact, um, from Wizards of the Coast a bit too, you've you started to enjoy quite a bit of success with novel writing you know you mentioned uh, Hannah was the first one that you had published uh, I also see that you signed a two book deal with Random House uh, yes and yeah, the... oh, go sorry carry on no, I was oh, going to okay, say your, your novel your novel Conqueror's Shadow is out now from is it Spectra who's, who's published that or is that uh, Wizards who published that
1: no that's that was, that was Spectra which is a Random House division that's uh, that's the first book of the two book contract
3: um, oh, okay right okay
1: and it's got a. Uh, it's a standalone. You know, it's not going to leave people hanging. Mm-hmm. But uh, the second book is a sequel, which uh, I'm hoping people will want to pick up. And uh, that's that's coming out next year.
3: Cool. Is, is the second one written? or Are you still working on that?
1: Uh, the second one is pretty much done. I mean, there's still there's still some uh, copy editing passes to be made. Yeah. but that's about it. Yeah.
3: So, how did that publishing deal come about? Then was that? Uh... <clears throat> off the back of your previous novel writing, or did you have to go through the whole, you know, pitch and agent uh, routine?
1: Um, I, uh... Once again, I, I, I sort of took the back way in here, same way with the uh, <laughs> with the RPG stuff. Um, what happened was... I was doing some novel writing for to the Coast. You know, I, I did their a novel for the Magic line. Right. Um, and they also, they were going to publish a line of books called Wizards of the Coast Discoveries and this was a line of books that was not related to any other gaming material
0: mm.
1: and I was originally going to, I had pitched the book the, it was not called Conqueror Shadow at the time, it was that book I had pitched that to them and they were going to publish it and then the Discoveries line was, was, was cancelled um, but while that book was in the Wizards of the Coast catalogue uh, I got an email from an agent who had seen it and liked the uh, liked the description and wanted to talk to me about representing me for future projects. So I ended up signing with him because the book was coming out from Wizards of the Coast and then Wizards of the Coast canceled it and he then turned around and sold it to Random House. Excellent. Which, uh, without being any disrespect to Wizards of the Coast, actually turned out is a better deal for me. <laughs> you know, right? Sure. Being a, just a little bigger publisher.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good stroke of luck. So, now, um, I haven't read it yet, actually, um, but from what I've understood from what you've said on the end world and the blurb that I've read, um, it's about a, a warlord uh, whose life has kind of turned around somewhat, correct? And he, he's, he's now in the position of being... Um, able to uh, uh to, to to save the nation from danger is that do i understand the, the plot premise correctly um, there?
1: essentially uh, essentially what happened is uh this is somebody who 17 years before the bulk of the book was working on his own conquest for reasons that are discussed in the book and abandoned it at the last minute for again reasons that no, nobody knows going uh, nobody really understands why he did it um and then 17 years later, when all he wants to do is just live peacefully with his family, um, he's actually married to somebody who was a hostage back during his conquering days.
0: Okay.
3: Um,
1: obviously, that relationship has changed as well. Um, yes. <laughs> but what happens is somebody else shows up essentially following his plans and with knowledge of his original schemes that nobody else should have. And a combination of... Of that, and the fact that his own family is now in danger is what inspires him to essentially come out of retirement and try to uh deal with this new guy uh, effectively it's uh I, I, I tell people that he's not exactly he, he's not exactly a redeemed character uh, he he hasn't turned good so much as he's just changed his priorities yeah. uh, he's more more interested in his family than in, than in, than in conquest but He's still very much a dark character. I basically tell people that uh he's the good guy because the villain is even worse excellent um but it's uh there it, there are some parts of the book that are very funny um and I try to make the characters very sympathetic, but at the same time there are other places where it does get very dark and he's not uh hes he's not uh hero in, in in really in any respect classic
3: sense right, right.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, is there, are there elements in the book that you think might make it of interest to uh, World of darkness gamers or white wolf fans uh,
1: well I certainly it's uh, it's a, it's dark enough um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 shades of gray type characters the uh, the amoral characters um, but with real moral choices to make. Uh, I think all of that is uh, really very reminiscent in some ways of many of the World of Darkness games. Cool. Um, and, of course, there's the, uh, the portrayal of various supernatural evils that you almost have to be interested in to be, be a World of Darkness player. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, uh, it's an epic fantasy. It's not set in the modern era or anything, but uh, I, th- I think some World of Darkness fans would very much like it
3: well certainly with the with the new world of darkness um, with the, the kinds of supernatural creatures that can crop up in the games uh, with you know with the categories thrown wide open it doesn't have to be a werewolf or ghost or, or a mage, uh, I think that certainly leaves the door open for importing fantastical creations from all sorts of sources, um, exactly. so yeah so that sounds really interesting um, so what are you reading at the moment, anything particularly cool that you want to recommend to our listeners? or? Uh...
1: um huh I actually haven't read a lot of new releases recently um, I've been kind of on a uh on a classic kick lately um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: i recently uh you know i've been reading some of the uh some of the classics some of the the older short stories uh howard Solomon kane, for instance i've been reading recently. Nice, uh, and actually, just as kind of a lark, uh, I've been reading some of the old Doctor Who novels.
0: <laughs> oh, cool! <laughs> um, yes.
3: I saw your post on EN World actually about um, the meddling monk.
1: Yeah, no, I've uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, of the current version of the show, but I'm only slowly catching up on the older stuff.
3: Oh, fantastic!
1: Um, but. Uh, yeah, the only thing new that I've read recently... Um, I actually actually hasn't even been published yet, so I don't know if I'm... Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: okay. <laughs> um,
1: well, I will say that... Uh, I'll say this. Anybody of your listeners who was a fan of uh, maybe some of the uh, more fun, action-packed, uh, light-hearted urban fantasy... Uh-huh. Uh, should probably keep an eye out for a uh, fellow named Kevin Hearn. Kevin, uh, okay. I've I've just I've just read and provided a uh, cover blurb for his first book, which is coming out, uh, I think, later this year or next year.
3: Cool, Kevin Hearn. Okay, insider tip there from the Rodent of the Dark.
2: <laughs> yes. Cool. So let's dip into uh, our traditional Beckett bucket. We haven't heard that in a while, Mark. Right?
3: No, <laughs> no, we haven't. Uh, <laughs> what
2: is your process for getting in the writing mood? Uh, listen to music. Do you dance around the room with a hat on your head, or <laughs> what type of things do you do?
1: Um, my usual process is uh, to get up, spend some time at the computer, not writing, just you know, message boards and uh, checking various news sites and whatnot. Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. And then I usually put on uh, writing music, which for me is usually uh, movie soundtracks. Oh. Um,
3: Richard Dansky said something similar about that last when we interviewed him on the last episode, and he said movie soundtracks too.
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, almost entirely orchestral, and usually not anything with lyrics. Yeah. Uh, and at that point... It's less that I'm in the writing mood. So much as at that point, I'm able to make myself start writing, Um, but I have to I have to get started and get into it before I actually get into the writing mood.
0: Okay. Um, Mm.
1: So even though even though I get into the habit of doing it, you know, I I write every day pretty much or almost every day. uh, It still requires some effort to uh, get into the mindset. Cool.
2: Okay. Um, I have a couple questions here. Looking at my paper here that I wrote down while speaking because it just jarred my memory. Did you have any uh, input or uh, did you talk about, I shouldn't say talk about, write anything to do with the Star Wars line for the Saga Edition when it was out?
1: Uh, I did not. Okay. I, I am I'm a big Star Wars fan, but uh, I haven't kept up with uh, I kept up with some, some of the like, expanded universe, not all of it. mm mm-hmm. um, there were, there were portions, portions of the game I would have liked to have worked on, but it just never happened.
2: Okay. So it, working with Wizards of the Coast, you work uh, closely with Rodney Thompson often?
1: Um, I've worked with him several times. I don't know if... Uh, I wouldn't say often, just because he was on the Star Wars line for so long. Mm-hmm. He was focusing there. But uh, I've worked with him on several projects, yes.
2: Because I know he's working heavily on 4th uh, edition uh, projects right now. I was wondering, maybe you were yeah. working with him on something
1: um that you can not mention? Di- not directly with him in the recent past uh, we did uh, we did communicate somewhat on the uh, the dark Sun monster book right
3: on the squawk right <laughs> <laughs> <Mark. Sorry. laughs> okay so, so what are you working on at the moment then um if right, you can things-
1: Yeah, I have two things going on right now, uh, one of which I can just say it's uh, Project Wizards of the Coast. I can't say what it is. Yeah. The other thing is uh, I've just recently completed the uh, first draft of a new novel that uh, my agent has since passed along to uh, some editors, and we'll see if that goes anywhere. Oh, right. But this is... uh,
2: Anything you can tell us about it or No.
1: I, I will say that uh this is actually my first uh urban fantasy novel. Oh. Uh it's not, not epic, not probably anything I've done before. Um It's not entirely like most other urban fantasy novels in as much as uh it's not quite the modern world. It's a period piece. Right. Um it's actually and uh I'm trying to decide how much I can go ahead and talk about here. I will say that it's an urban fantasy set during the uh, gangland days in Chicago at the end of Prohibition.
3: Fun! Wow.
1: Um, I'm, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that, but uh, I certainly, I'm certainly hoping the editors uh, like it. I think it's it's potentially. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to count my chickens. There's potentially a series in it. It's an interesting
3: uh, set as well.
1: Um, and, you know, we'll see, we'll see if that goes anywhere.
3: So, did you have to research for that, or, uh...
1: Oh, quite a bit. Um, I, you know, read several books on the history of Chicago at the time. I've read, uh, several books on the, uh, folklore and legends behind the various, uh, creatures I'm involving. Uh, I actually was, uh... I picked up a book that is essentially written in the style of a tour guide uh, for Chicago from
3: 1929. Hmm.
1: Oh, great. Cool. Uh, Uh, But it was was definitely one of my research, Mm. my my, my heaviest research projects. Uh, I was actually complaining online that uh, given how how poor a student I was back when I was in school, it's astonishing that I am deliberately choosing projects that have homework.
3: (laughs) Excellent. Cool. Well, um, final couple of questions for me. Um, what, what book by another author do you wish it'd written? Is there anything that you look at and read and just go, Oh, damn, I wish I'd done that.
1: Um, there have been a few. Uh, a couple of Stephen Bruce's uh, Vlad Taltosh novels made me feel that way. Yeah. Uh, I really liked, really liked those. Um... there was another one recently where I had that reaction. Of course, now I'm completely blanking on it. <laughs> and I, I, I even thought about this when you sent the email questions and I can't, uh, <laughs> I'm just,
3: <laughs> you can drop by our forums and tell us when you remember. There you, there go. you
1: go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but, but definitely, uh, Stephen Bruce's, um, materials. And I, I've, I've occasionally had that experience with uh, particular scenes or exchanges in TV shows. There have been uh, mm. some some of those scenes in uh, in Babylon Five where I've said I wish I could could have written that that character, that scene, uh, that character arc. Uh, yeah. But as far as the novels, the only ones that are coming to mind right now are the uh, are the Bruce.
3: Bruce. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and so finally what's next for you uh, you've got your uh, your uh, the the sort of s- pseudo gangland novel um your wizards of the coast secret project um yes. what, what, what do you have next on the horizon
1: um i'm not entirely sure that's going to depend at least partly on whether this uh on on, on how well on on how this novel does how mm. when, when it's picked up uh i would very much like to do I've got a few more books in that series and I'm happy to dive into those next if, if that's uh, if that's appropriate
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, if not uh, I have a file of several pages of other novel <laughs> ideas that I'd be happy <laughs> to get into um, I would not mind at all doing uh, doing more tie-in novel fiction as well mm-hmm. for, for certain yeah. projects certain properties uh it's really a question of what's available. Right. I uh I'm not uh I'm not making any concrete plans until I see where things stand.
3: There you go. Nice and flexible. And uh, I am I'm, I'm sure Vince has got a, a couple of questions. I know he's got at least one for you that that's not on the list
2: ever. <laughs> Never. But uh before I get to uh that, uh let's talk uh sci-fi for a second here. Okay. Uh have you had a chance to check out sci-fi's uh new Stargate show, Stargate Universe?
1: I haven't. Uh, I, I really I enjoyed the other two, mm-hmm. um, but I just haven't uh, haven't gotten around to watching any of this one.
2: Oh well, if you like the other two, you definitely will enjoy this one. I suggest you okay. check it out whenever you have a moment. All right. And the question that Mark is referring to, what I usually <laughs> ask of all of our guests, and random question A: If you could be a household appliance, which one would you be, and why? <laughs>
1: Oh, boy. That's um,
2: never never on the list, because we always like to get it on spur of the moment.
1: <laughs> um, household appliance. Um, well, I think I am going to go with uh, the television.
2: <laughs> okay. Just uh.
1: because uh, it's pretty much always the center of attention. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and always entertaining.
1: There you go.
2: Cool. <laughs> so, all right. So how can our fans uh, follow you, get in contact with you, uh, stalk you, whatever?
1: Um, well, I uh, tend to post most of my uh, updates either to the news or blog sections on my website. Okay. Which is uh, mouseferatu.com or you can also just do remarmel.com. Okay. Um, and I'm also on Twitter as Mouseferatu. Okay. Okay. And uh yeah, I, th- I think Twitter and my site should do it. I'm also on Facebook and LiveJournal, but those two are the uh, easiest ways to find me.
3: Cool. And we've got your phone number now, so we'll just put that on the forums too.
1: Yeah. You could do that.
2: Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we can publicize that as well on in World, and people can yell at you directly.
1: Yeah, I, I would. I would probably have to mail you an angry badger. <laughs> that
3: would be injunctions and everything. You know, we don't want to go there. Yeah. And Mark how can people get in contact with us here at Darker Days Radio They can email us Vince at DarkerDaysRadio at gmail.com
2: no, no pauses this week Mark
3: No I'm just being slick They can also go by the uh, the forums at uh, WildGamesProductions.com and uh, drop us a line there uh, Follow us with Twitter um, D 20 or go to the Facebook page and if you just go to Facebook and type in Darker Days Radio you'll find
2: us right there Yes, or Facebook.com slash Darker Days Radio. That works, too. And that's going to cue the out music, and we're going to say goodnight. All right, thanks for joining us tonight.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank and you very much. We hope to hear
2: from you in the future, and uh, goodnight. All right,
1: thanks.